I'm Commander Shepard, and Geek Rex is my favorite website on the Citadel. Welcome to episode 38 of the Geek Rex podcast, and this week is fun, 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 because we're going to sort of circle back to some stuff we haven't done in a while. We've, we've, we've had some episodes where we've chatted pretty specifically about one topic, where last week we did a Sherlock episode, and that was a good time, and, and before that we, we did sort of our movie wrap-up of the year kind of stuff and then we did some comic wrap-up stuff but we hadn't really dug back into our normal format which was the news and comics and so this week it is comics 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 um and uh, a little bit of the news that comes with uh the therein in terms of comic book based movies some sci-fi stuff uh but mostly you know those gosh darn superheroes we'll we'll talk a lot about that i guess since that seems to be the thing everybody wants to talk about isn't that right harper Oh, yeah. Always. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Harper's on with us. We've got Cal. Hello, Cal. Hello there. Hey, man. How's it going? Good as always. Thank you. Yes, sir. And we have Shane. Hi, Shane. Hey. So, Shane, I hear you're coming to town next weekend. Uh, this coming weekend, yeah. I'm leaving Thursday night. So, uh, what are you coming to see? Uh, Saturday afternoon, I'm seeing Book of Mormon, and I am ecstatic. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I bet. Is, is it like the Broadway touring company? Uh, it is, yeah. Oh, that is awesome. Is it going to be at the Fox? Uh, yes. Wow, yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, we got orchestra-level seats only for 70 bucks a pop, so. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, that's that's one of those shows I've never seen. But then again, I don't see a whole lot of musicals, because somebody <laughs> in the house doesn't like musicals. <laughs> Name names, but... Uh, so like, I had to, the last time I drug her to a musical was Avenue Q, and like I said, that's I think a good I, one. I think I told you the reason that uh, we only saw Avenue Q is because of puppets. So that's that's more than appropriate. So <laughs> that was that was pretty much the reason. Um, uh, I did. We did. I, I'm excited as a huge South Park fan and a huge fan of musicals. I I can't wait to see this. So yeah, Book oh. of Mormon is a blast. I saw it in Cleveland, and uh, it's. I don't know if you've heard the soundtrack yet, but it's... Oh, yeah, I have it. Yeah, I got it as soon as it came out, like, two years ago, but, yeah, I've I've heard it. It's it's even funnier than the soundtrack. Like, they leave a lot of great bits out. Nice. Yeah, I I, I know little to nothing about this, but uh, I I look forward to hearing more about it. You'll have to to tell me how the show is. Uh, All right. Hopefully I'll see you this weekend at some point in time. I hope so, yeah. We'll we'll try to set that up. Uh, Hopefully we can can make that happen. Um, Okay, so in terms of today's show, I think we'd be really remiss if we did not uh, acknowledge a terrible thing that happened yesterday. Um, I uh, I was driving back from uh, a comic convention actually here in Atlanta that uh, I saw Harper at and we did some some long box diving and it's probably where I got my con crud that I'm dealing with right now but um, 
we I happened to get a tweet from Hannah, uh, and uh, she mentioned that uh, there was this rumor that was going around that Philip Seymour Hoffman had passed, and uh, maybe about 20 minutes later, uh, that was confirmed by the Wall Street Journal. So unfortunately, yesterday, Philip Seymour Hoffman did pass away. Uh, a beloved actor, and certainly one of my favorites uh, you know, in the Hollywood scene, anytime a film... Uh, were to come out and he were attached. I felt like the film itself was elevated immensely, um, and uh, you know he's in. He stars in one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, it's just a, it's a huge, huge loss for Hollywood, and in a really tragic fashion as well, uh, based on what uh, pre-autopsy speculation has sort of circled around in terms of the cause of death. Um, you know, I don't know what else to say about it, really. Uh, you know, Harper, uh, Cal, do you guys have any thoughts? Shane, um, feel free to whoever wants to say say something first. Uh, was it, was was Phil Hoffman one of your favorites? Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, go ahead, Cal. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. He actually uh, was in one of my maybe four or five favorite movies of all time, which was um, Synecdoche, New York. Mm. And uh, that's a movie that definitely it's always it's always hit me pretty hard. But uh, I think it's going to I don't know if any of you have seen it, but that last line especially I think is just going to kill me next time I watch it, which because I'm a glutton for punishment is going to be tomorrow, <laughs> but uh, he is, he was just, uh, he was, he was just so great in even roles that I think most people would probably phone it in for. Uh, uh, he was just, uh, he, he always brought something new to it. Uh, it, it is a, a, a really sad loss cause he's easily one of the, the finest actors that we've, we've seen in the last decade or so, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think, Particularly in the fact that he he did these great dramatic roles in a really you know really fantastic way, really believable, but it also uh, could be hysterically funny. Um, yeah, and that's what I'm I'm trying to think of is is Boogie Nights and and Big Lebowski and uh, just you know I can't I can't not smile thinking about those those two roles. Um, so it is it's really tragic. It's I was a little upset yesterday. Yeah, I think. Uh... I think Big Lebowski is my favorite role that he has, and I'll get back to that in a second, but uh, I think my second favorite role of his, and probably his most underrated and least talked about, is uh, Doubt, which he did get nominated for an Oscar for, but he lost to Heath Ledger for The Joker. But um, I, I think I, 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 it's an amazing play. It's a powerful piece on its own, but he, he and Meryl Streep and Viola Davis just knocked that play even further out of the park than it already would on its own. And... Um, with Big Lebowski, like, I've been thinking a lot lately about how uh, that movie is probably the most perfect Shakespearean comedy that was never written by Shakespeare, and he's just one of the many pieces that make that intricate puzzle work. Yeah, I, I it's funny, I was watching Schenectady, New York last night with Hannah, mainly, I mean, obviously, I sort of revisit uh, one of my favorite uh, Phil Hoffman performances. Uh, it's it's amazing to see that movie and the sheer depth of not only the scope of the movie. I mean, it's 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 impressive on its own, but just how how Phil Hoffman is able to play a line 
for humor, no matter mm-hmm. how dramatic the situation is. I mean, it's his. I think he's an incredibly underrated comedic actor. <laughs> yeah, um, which is rare for dramatic actors to be able to pull uh, that sort of material out of them. Um, Boogie Nights is one of my favorite movies of all time, and that was the first time I ever saw him. And I still love his performance as Scotty in that movie, um, <laughs> holding his arm and and uh, you know making moves on uh, Dirk Diggler and uh, <laughs> or or you know in the Master even one of my favorite yeah. scenes in that movie. I I didn't care for that movie, but he was fantastic in it. Oh, you, you know when he gets like cornered by that guy who who like doubts him. Uh, who, yeah. d- who doubts the movement or whatever? And he goes, "Why do you ask these questions to which you already know the answers?" Big fuck! <laughs> 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 uh, it's just—it's it's a scene that I like put on my YouTube, and I was like, "Oh, I wonder if I should post that on the Geek Critics page." <laughs> I went—I went with the, um, uh, uh, the the Adam Sandler uh, Punch Drunk Love, uh, the scene with the. Adam Sandler get on the phone with Philip Seymour Hoffman instead, but I mean, just just gold all throughout. And I mean, even in like bad movies, like Along Came Polly, I mean, he is able to elevate those types of films whenever he's on screen, you know. And it's it's just a, it's a real shame, and it's a real loss. And I, uh, I you know, there'll, there'll never be another one like him. And uh, that's that that's that's the tragedy of it all. I mean, the man's forty six years old and he leaves three children behind. It's 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 terrible, terrible stuff. But you know, hopefully, uh, you know, he he left behind a, an incredible legacy and he was able to win at least one Oscar for Capote. So, mm-hmm. uh, I and I think it will probably sting a little bit for some that his last completed movie is going to be that next to last Hunger Games movie. Yeah, did they, did they did they were they did they filmed Lions, Lionsgate? Yeah, they've already filmed all of the they've already filmed both of them. Uh, they were filmed in Atlanta actually, and uh, Lionsgate released a statement yesterday saying that he had filmed all of his parts for that one, and that Mockingjay Part One, I guess, is technically going to be his last movie. Don't you hate that they have to release a statement like that? Yeah, <laughs> it reminds me of the Heath Ledger thing where Warner Brothers had to release a statement he that he did indeed finish the Batman movie. Um, I, it's bad, but at the same time, it was something I was curious about because I didn't know if it was going to be like a Dumbledore situation or not. So, right, right, no, of course. I mean, for for fans of a franchise, I get it, but it's you know there is more to it than that, and um, well, I, I, it doesn't sting because I mean those are good movies, right? I mean people people enjoy those Hunger Games movies a good deal. Second one was good, so yeah. I mean, <laughs> and he was a big part in that. I think he had yeah. a. I, I, I read the books, and I honestly yeah. forgot the twist involving his character because he sold me on it so hard. Yeah, I mean, it's it, like I mean, he and Donald Sutherland, great chemistry. Um, I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to being able to view that last performance. Um, I'm not a big Hunger Games guy, but I will definitely be there uh, to be able to <laughs> behold uh, one more Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, role in front of the camera, for sure. Um, okay. Let's let's uh, let's transition into some more uh, more fun stuff uh, and, and get past the dourness. Uh, certainly, the lot of big news, big news came out over the past number of weeks, and we never had a chance to really cover any of it. So, I, I really would like to take the time now to sort of dig through some of the superhero news that came out over the past couple of weeks, as well as maybe a few other side things that are worth mentioning. Um, so, first and foremost. Let's talk about the the news that sort of rocked 
uh, fandom last Friday <laughs> can, because I know this is going to open up some really fun conversation, particularly probably between me and Cal. Uh, <laughs> um, so it was announced on Friday to my shock, my mm-hmm. utter shock, uh, that they had cast Lex Luthor for this Man of Steel sequel, as well as Alfred Pennyworth, uh, Bruce Wayne's loyal butler. Uh, Lex Luthor will be played by Jesse Eisenberg, and Alfred Pennyworth will be played by Jeremy Irons. So, this is a, a, a very controversial casting move, particularly the Lex Luthor one. I, I don't I feel like the Alfred... I don't think anybody complained about the Alfred one. It, but as far as the Lex Luthor casting, a lot of people had a lot of opinions. So, I'm very curious, because I have talked to none of you guys about this. Uh, since I thought Friday. you and I talked about it. Did like, we? I don't know. Maybe we. I don't know. Or we had seen each other's opinions. I think we were both aware of each other's opinions. I think so, but you know what? The public isn't. So, <laughs> Shane, while you're while you're talking, why don't you tell me what do you think about these two casting decisions? Uh, Jeremy Irons, I don't, I don't really have an opinion on. I'm fine with it. I mean, it seems the uh, I guess Michael Michael Caine established that we have to have established British actors who haven't gotten work in a while to play Alfred. So. <laughs> I guess I guess that's what the trend is going to be from now on. He was on a TV show for a while. <laughs> you know, the, the, the whole uh, was it the Borgias wasn't that the show he was on? I don't know. I didn't watch it. <laughs> oh, fair enough. But no one no one else did either. It seems exactly. So anyway, um, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I'll be quite honest. I think the last thing I saw Jeremy Irons in was I something about Elizabeth the First, maybe. And yeah, was it was it was it Elizabeth the Golden Age? Maybe no, it was a miniseries or uh, something. Okay, um, from HBO. <laughs> and then before that, before that, that's going to show how much of his work I've seen. I think before that was The Lion King was the last thing I saw Jeremy <laughs> Irons in. So, um, that's an Oscar-winning it, actor there, Shane. <laughs> I, okay, well, I, I enjoyed him as Scar. Um, anyway, um, but uh, with Jesse Eisenberg, I'm. A-okay with it, uh, much to the uh, dismay of some of my friends that I've made around here in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I have particularly a friend who's a huge Superman fan, and uh, he was quite upset, and uh, I, I'm more than okay with it. Um, I think, first of all, um, it's kind of like the tweet I had. It's like, Lex Luthor's a fictional character, and they can do whatever the fuck they want with him because he's not real. And uh, I think having a younger Lex is... And very interesting idea, and I think it's something different, and I think it's something that could possibly work in their favor, um, as long as they don't make him like a spoiled brat kind of situation. And um, I'm perfectly fine with him keeping his hair, to be quite honest. I know everybody's making those mock-ups of Jesse Eisenberg without hair, but I I think he's perfectly fine with, with his hair. Uh, Lex Luthor in Superman Earth 1 Volume 2 has hair and a full beard, um, and is much younger. So I think... A younger Superman and then having a Lex Luthor that's younger than him, I, I kind of like it. And then when you think about Lex Luthor in general, you have a character who, who all he really has to be. He doesn't have to be like as physically intimidating as Superman. He just has to be smarter than Superman, and he has to be a bit of a dick to him. And it in hindsight, Jesse Eisenberg may just be the perfect person to play that. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, Cal, drop the nuclear bomb on me, man. What are you, what are you, what, what are you thinking? <laughs> I actually... Uh... Now I'm gonna say this with some reservations because I still I still don't think the movie itself will be that great, but uh, I think that was a fantastic casting decision. I really do. Okay, how come? Well, first off, uh, I think it kind of, it, it does a good job of heightening what seems to be uh, one of the main ideas of this movie, which is I mean, you know, uh, you've got a Superman who's about 33. 
You've got uh, uh, Lex Luthor, who looks like he's in his 20s. Batman, you know, how old is Ben Affleck now? Like 40-something? Yeah, mid- and they've made the point that Batman's going to be a much older. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, having a younger Lex helps sell that. I like the idea. I mean, the face of a billionaire has changed yes. since the 1930s to, like, younger tech geniuses. And yep. Jesse Eisenberg clearly has experience with that. I just I just think that it was, it was a really, really uh, clever casting decision. Now, will they do anything? I mean, will they be able to do anything beyond be mildly clever with it? I will find out in five years or whenever that comes out, but... <laughs> As long as we don't see him in a big green robot suit, we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, pro- hopefully, hopefully not. <laughs> All right, Harper, how about you? Uh, I gotta agree. I think they're both pretty, pretty interesting, and, and I think they're pretty good um, casting decisions as well. Um, Jeremy Irons seems like a, a really perfect choice that I wouldn't have thought of, but he seems more along the lines of the um, the Alfred that we see in Batman Earth One or. Mm-hmm. Um, the new Batman, uh, Beware the Batman cartoon, where he's more of like the ex-British soldier kind of, yep. uh, kind of Alfred. Um, I think so. I think he's perfect for that. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I gotta agree with exactly what Cal said that Jesse Eisenberg. I mean, we saw him play a very Lex Luthor-like character, possibly in uh, in Social Network <laughs> to you know perfection. That was an amazing performance. Um, so I, I think he could be a really interesting Luthor. Um, and I, I saw something the other day, this mock-up that a, a fan had made of, um, like, a street scene of what could be in, in the movie, where we have these kind of street posters of, uh, you know, one is Lex Luthor, you know, come work for Lex to clean up the city. And I thought that was a really interesting idea, something that would could be uh, a, a way to placate angry fans from Man of Steel and also mm-hmm. kind of, it would bring Lex Luthor into it in a real kind of natural way. That, that's, that makes total sense, that he would come in and hate Superman mm-hmm. because he destroyed Metropolis, and he'd have legitimate reason to. That Lex Luthor has been an interesting villain because, in in the stories where he's well written, he's not a villain. He's a he's a guy who's trying to do the right thing and can't quite do it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, so that and I, I think Eisenberg is uh, a really good choice to be able to pull off a kind of a subtle, um, deeper role like that. So I, I'm very excited about it. I, I like I like Jesse Eisenberg as an actor quite a bit. Um, he has a very like narrow niche uh, in terms of his range. Uh, he's clearly like that. He always he tends to always play like a hyper intelligent guy. Like even right. in a movie like Adventureland or uh, The Squid and the Whale. I mean he's he's usually playing a character that is. Uh, um, so somewhat introverted, but at the same time, you can tell that there's a lot going on underneath. Uh, you know, certainly probably has a mind that's running a mile a minute, and I could see that working well for Alex Luther. That is, of course, uh, written well, um, which is maybe the key here. Um, so there is one thing that's kind of bugging me a little bit, though, and I didn't really think about it until a couple days ago when I started thinking about all the casting decisions that surround this movie. So when Ben Affleck was cast, you know, there's been a bit of a rough reaction to that, of course. I think that's an understatement, really. Um, but, it became, you know, our, the defenders of, of the Ben Affleck casting, like myself, we've always kind of said, okay, well, we just need to give him a chance. We need to give him a chance. Um, Gal Gadot cast as Wonder Woman. Um, there was a, a bit of a negative reaction to that on, in, on, for really not good reasons. 
Um, but t- we tended to say, well, let's give him a chance. Let's give him a chance. And now I feel like we're saying the same thing about Jesse Eisenberg. And I'm starting to feel a little bit of trepidation about that because I start to think, man, we never say this about any of these Marvel movies, you know? Because their their casting tends to be more home run type type of stuff. Like Paul Rudd is Ant Man, um, and Michael Douglas is Hank Pym, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. It just it gets a little worrying because you feel like God. I feel, I feel like I'm defending this movie constantly rather mm-hmm. than just feeling very confident about it. Do you, do, right. do you guys see what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I, yeah, I I kind of feel like that's it has less to do with necessarily the quality of the casting than it does to do with the quality of the movies. Sure. Like Marvel is very consistent. Like whether you like them or you don't like them and most people seem to like them, when you go to a Marvel Studios movie, you know what you're going to get. And so their casting tends to like, you know, I mean people feel, you know, even when it's a little bit strange, like a uh, Bradley Cooper as a rocket raccoon, you're, you scratch your head, but you're like, okay, you know, they'll probably pull it off. I was going to say, to be fair, I've had to defend Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> to a lot of people, including Kyle. So. Of course, but I, I'm, I'm just a cynical asshole, so... Yeah, sorry, Cal, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, but with, I mean, you know, Man of Steel was, at best, a controversial movie, and... Uh, I, I think that's the mindset that people are approaching the next one with. I mean, mm-hmm. they could have cast pretty much anyone, and there would have been like there yeah. would have been grumbling. Yeah, I, I guess if they cast Brian Cranston, maybe everyone would have uh, you know had their arms thrown up in the air in celebration, which seems to be the reaction right now. Or at this point, they probably have been like, "Oh, you're going to make the most expected choice." So yeah, uh, perhaps so. Perhaps so. Um, I I don't know. It's just one of those things I was thinking about, and you, I think you're right, Cal. I mean, it, it is the the trepidation that surrounds this sequel because mm-hmm. it feels like a we we don't even know what the name of this movie is yet. <laughs> I mean, that's that's troubling, right? And so I, I just start to worry a little bit. I mean, it feels like they're casting a movie and then writing a script around them. Um, because We at least know more about this movie than we do about Star Wars, and that says a lot considering this comes out after Star Wars. <laughs> that's true, but uh, well, well, there's also the issue of that no one's been cast in Star Wars yet either, which is really scary for, for that franchise. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's... I, I'm 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 very positive about Eisenberg as an actor, and I think that I I think he's you know he's the same age as Henry Cavill right now. So you basically have a Lex Luthor and a Superman who are like peers in a way, mm-hmm. and it just depends on how that relationship is written and how um, this idea of the angry millennial is placed on screen. I mean, we've we've never really seen anything like that except how uh, Eisenberg played Mark Zuckerberg. So it, it's, it'll, it'll be fascinating to see how that works. I had lunch with Hannah when this news broke, and it's so funny. We had an entire lunch talking about Lex Luthor, of all things, which <laughs> I never thought I would talk to a girlfriend about ever in my life. Um, but she brought up the fact that her favorite bit about Lex Luthor from the cartoons uh, not it was not that his his it was not his ability to be a physical presence ever. Like she hates him no. in the power suit, right? Yeah. Um, she likes him as a cerebral threat, and yeah. I agree with that. I like him being this apex of humanity through intelligence, not through brute force. Mm-hmm. Right. So this could be promising on that end. 
Um, it just depends on how it's written. And on that subject matter, I don't know if you guys looked through the credits uh, in the press release for this. Yes, this sir, you're going to talk about uh, executive producer? Well, not just that, but I'm going to mention the fact that it's very, they, for the first time in a press release, they've mentioned that Chris Terrio is writing the script uh, from a screenplay by David Goyer. Um, I don't know what to make of that specifically because a lot of times when they do rewrites, like for example when Jonathan Nolan rewrote Terminator Salvation, <laughs> supposedly, um, which I, I couldn't tell if he had done that or not, um, there there wasn't much ballyhoo made about it. But here it almost sounds like they've completely handed over the reins to Chris Terrio and David Goyer may be getting shoved stage left. I'm not sure. Uh, fine least, by me. I mean, I, it may be possibly fine by a lot of people. But not only that, but also the fact that on the executive producer side, Chris Nolan is out, and yep. Je- Jeff Johns is in. Ugh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I figured that'd be Cal's reaction. <laughs> um, but I just thought that was that, that's an interesting take, and I don't know if that means that this movie is headed more towards um, a potential Ben Affleck-led uh, DC Universe, or this be- or corporated DC Universe through Jeff Johns. Yeah, I think that uh, I should say I hope because I hope it's not WB saying, "Oh, we got to get a DC guy in here so he can be our man on the inside," because Nolan never claimed to be the guy in charge of DC's cinematic universe. So I'm hoping that's not what it is, and I'm hoping it's more that Jeff Johns is a. Uh, they're Feige. Yeah, okay, Cal. It sounds like you have an, imp- a, 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 an opinion here about this Jeff Johns, Chris Terrio thing, because I heard you're, uh, so I, <laughs> I have to know, Cal, because I know you're not the biggest Jeff Johns fan, so. Uh, well, if I'm being, I mean, yeah, I, I, I like Chris, <laughs> I like Chris Terrio coming in. I think that that's a good move. Uh, you also know I'm not a big uh, Goyer fan either. Jeff Johns is a little bit more, I mean, okay, I, I'll be I'll be honest. Outside of a few books here and there, mostly from his early career, I don't like his his writing uh, really on almost any level. But that doesn't necessarily mean anything for uh, for him, I guess, as a producer. Which honestly, like he was the co-producer of one of the worst superhero movies ever made, the Green Lantern movie. Sure. And that doesn't inspire me with a ton of hope, but um, honestly, like I guess being he's the executive producer, right? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's such a, a new role. I honestly have no idea if he'll be a very hands-off kind of guy, or if we can expect the stealth Green Lantern follow-up here. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because Green Lantern, I remember reading the original script for that movie years ago, like maybe 2009, and the movie we got was not that different other than one major plot point. Uh, Instead of Parallax, the main villain was this thing called Legion, which came from the old Emerald Dawn series that Keith Giffen did, I think, back in uh, like the late 80s, early 90s, when they were relaunching Green Lantern's origin. Yeah. So Jeff Johns gets involved along with um, you know these you know Berlanti and Green and all these guys, the, this 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 gang of idiots that runs Arrow, and. Uh, they ended up incorporating a lot of like the Jeff Johnsian stuff from the comics, which probably added to a lot of the issues that that movie had. So I, I don't know. I mean, he clearly had some hand on hands on uh, influence on Green Lantern the movie. 
I, and I just wonder if that'll be the case here with this this thing. Um, I kind of hope not. But then again, I will say, and this kind of dovetails into um, you know another news item that or a rumor item that we might bring up here in a second is that you know my favorite thing Jeff Johns ever wrote was his Superman books. So <laughs> it, it, at least that could be something that I I would at least be a little more excited about than maybe most people with you know, a, a relative higher level of sanity than me. Um, Harper, what about you, man? What do you, what do you think about that? Uh, that potential switch up in uh, the DC uh, cinematic universe? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've, I've got to agree with what you guys have been saying and that um, if we have to go off green lantern alone, then it's a pretty poor choice. Um, but uh, I think based on his track record for being able to write, um, not necessarily recently, but in the past, being able to write uh, superhero stories that have a lot of moving parts, a lot of different characters. That's, I think, one of the things I used to admire a lot about him is I think he was a great workhorse for DC, and he put out a lot of, not not the kind of books that you're going to you know buy the absolute of and, and treasure or whatever, but really solid superhero books. Um, he hasn't done quite uh, quite that well recently, but... Um, you know he's he had he used to have a talent for that so it's possible we'll see some of that but with with Green Lantern as our only uh, only actual measure of how good he is at this you know that's pretty <laughs> that's not not terribly uh, interesting and one last little piece of note that sort of adds a wrinkle to this. Well, there's two little things actually that I should I should bring up. But first things first, David Goyer. Let's talk about Cal's favorite writer in the world. Um, so it, news came out today that he was going to direct an adaptation of this book called The Breach for Lionsgate. Um, the Breach, I'll be frank with you, sounds fucking horrible. Um, <laughs> sounds ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it, it sounds like it sounds like uh, the Da Vinci Code meets a bad 90s action movie that involves the first lady and i mean it just sounds dreadful but david goyer it's a project he's been attached to direct for some time and apparently a studio finally just picked it up this over the weekend which was lionsgate um that will probably hasten his departure from being able to work uh, specifically on hands-on with writing or even potentially directing one of these featured dc releases be it sandman sleeper or uh, whatever comes of this uh, Justice League franchise thing. I don't even know what to call it, to be honest with you. Um, so that could be potentially good news for everybody, right? For those who don't like David Goyer. David Goyer may be, may be doing something else with his hands these days. Um, and another thing worth mentioning is that uh, a rumor had cropped up that... DC Comics, maybe in the next couple of weeks to month, may announce that uh, Jeff Johns <laughs> it will be taking over the Superman monthly title with uh, John Romita Jr. on art, which is kind of uh, historically a pretty big precedent to set because John Romita Jr. has never worked for DC Comics ever. Wow. Uh, he's one of the few artists that's been Marvel his entire career, and uh, if this were to come about, that would be a pretty big change-up. Um, so I'm sure, you know, if you're not picking up Superman now, you probably won't start, uh, if you're, unless you're a big Jeff Johns fan, I will probably check it out, but, um, Cal, I already know where you stand on that, but, uh, Shane, does that idea get you, get you going at all? Jeff Johns, right? Um, Superman? I, I mean, I know I'm probably the only current Jeff Johns fan in the room, um, 
Because, I mean, I, I loved that first arc of JLA, and I did hate how JLA pretty much became just a uh, stepping stool to uh, <laughs> Trinity War. Um, but JLA at first was fantastic, and I, I still love Justice League, um, and I think JLA will improve once it becomes Justice League United. Um, I'm fine with him writing Superman. I don't know that I'm going to read it just because I don't want to see everybody looking like blockheads from Gumby because John <laughs> Romita Jr. is drawing them. Um, I, I guess I'm just more saddened that it's not Shazam. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, I, I, I'm just hopeful that it doesn't derail this really awesome uh, Greg Pak book that's going on right yes. now. <laughs> uh, that's my biggest ner- nervous worry. But the only reason I even bring this thing up is because it just sort of adds to this corporate synergy thing that I think the DC is pushing for, DC Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, but their move to, to uh, uh, Burbank losing a ton of editors and we, we can talk about that in a second if we want um with mike march stepping down from the batman titles and another, yeah that's gonna hurt them i mean it's it's it's, it's bad news and the um uh, you know we'll see what happens i don't know if katie kubert's gonna take over that line but a lot of people aren't willing to make that move to burbank and mike march is one of them he's gonna stay in new york He's gonna stay gonna go work for Marvel now, basically taking over a role that's not akin to what Stephen Wacker was doing before he moved over to Marvel Animation. So, you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, what what how how this is all gonna shake out. Certainly that's gonna be big news, Jeff Johns taking over Superman. But editorial is gonna be a big, big mess. Cal, I mean, I know you've been paying some attention to DC's sort of shuffling mess of a of of a, of, of a of a staffing issue. Um, I mean, do you think that the future is just going to look increasingly grim over there? Uh, I I kind of feel like we've got probably a couple more years before things start to look a little better. Um, right now, it feels like, to me, they're trying to push very, very hard for a... Uh, um, if the 90s were the age of the superstar artists and the 2000s were the age of the superstar writers for comics... Then the 2010s, DC seems to be trying to make the age of the superstar editors, where the editors seem to control over their, like, tone, content, uh, you know, everything has a similar artistic style. Like, it seems very, very, uh, like they're trying to build this coherent, uh, very coherent universe over there, and I'll be honest, I... It's driven me almost completely away from the DC universe, and... Two years ago, that was unthinkable to me. Yeah, um, I, I I agree. I mean, they just had such a mess, and I think this kind of um, effort to make everything kind of under the same house style, like you said, art- artistically, most of the books outside of you know maybe Wonder Woman and uh, and Batman and and a few just a handful of titles, they all look exactly the same, and I can't believe that anybody's still buying most of those, um, and. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, and, and you're right that it is. It's very shocking to think about. Just a couple years ago, when the new Fifty Two started, I was so so excited, and I loved a, a, a maybe not a majority, but it, close to half of the books I was really into. Um, and I, I think it is editorial because uh, they do have a, a handful of really great creators. But I and we've seen over the past year or so so many of those. Um, you know, leave over editorial issues. So it is disappointing because traditionally I'm a I'm more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy, but I've I found myself 
picking up less and less and less. Um, and I'm, I read much more Marvel and Image than I do DC now. Shane, you're you're probably the bigger DC guy out of all of us. I mean, maybe myself in terms of pull. Yeah, maybe myself excluded because I may I may still pull more DC books than you do for whatever yeah. reason. I don't know why. Maybe I don't know. We might be about the same amount. We might be. We might be. Um, but because I dropped Flash recently, so. Oh yeah, no, I, I had to. But um, the uh, <laughs> for some reason I'm still getting Green Lantern. Anyway. Yeah, uh, I'm same here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but. Uh, from the more hopeful side of things, I mean, do, do you see improvement happening at DC right now, or do you feel like things are sort of taking um, for you personally? I'm I think I'm fine right now with everything. Um, I mean, obviously there are little things that I'm going to have problems with, but I think that's always going to be the case. I mean, there are plenty of things I have a problem with that Marvel does. Um, but, um, and it might be because I don't pick up enough that's, like, from the same family. Like, the only two Bat books I pick up are Batman and Batman and Robin, and the only Superman books I pick up, I think those are probably the most I pick up. So Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Superman, and action comics. Um, although Batman, Superman is probably going to be on the chopping block pretty soon. Um, anyway, um, I, I haven't really noticed. I really, honestly, was confused as to why you were saying editors was gonna, were going to be a big thing because it wasn't something I really noticed because I guess it hasn't affected too many of the books I pick up. Um, I will say the thing I'm worried about with DC is more of a direction thing because they've talked so much about how Forever Evil is going to be the close of the first phase of the New 52, and I haven't really seen how it's going to move into a phase two, like what that direction's going to be. Right, sure. I mean, it's it, I, th- I find myself very concerned, additionally, by this idea that they're putting out a weekly book, but, right. the, li- but the line editor's gone. How, how the hell can you put out a weekly book when you don't have a consistent line editorial side? I mean, mm-hmm. that's what made 52, that weekly series, work was because Stephen Wacker was there. And the moment Stephen Wacker left, that book fell apart. So uh, the, the, the role of the editor is incredibly important. And I, I don't think people realize just how much work an editor actually puts into the monthly script for an issue. I mean, some of the, your favorite books might actually have been written by Stephen Wacker. Or they might have been written by Mike Martz behind the scenes. Um, you know, that's neither good nor bad. It's just the way the business works. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with DC on that side of things. Uh, but to, to Harper's point, I will say I've noticed a real fatigue on my end of things uh, in terms of art. Even a book that I enjoy, like Harley Quinn, I really like the, the scripting. But I will tell you, the issues I've seen, uh, issue one and two, uh, beyond that really neat, neat zero art experimental issue uh is that the art is just so boring man mm. i mean it's like it's that brett boothization of dc comics <laughs> <laughs> where everybody draws just like brett booth and it feels like the old 90s image stuff i mean i'm surprised joe bennett's not drawn for dc at this point um and so i'm just i i'm, I'm ready for you know a little bit more of uh, auteur vision in, in these superhero comics. I know you're not really going to ever get that because they're still, we're talking about company-owned IP. But, I mean, Marvel, I feel like, is doing a better job of giving their writers the ability to do something really exciting with these books. And so, and that's why I'm saying is like that's something that I wish like DC would start to embrace a little bit. And the only places I see that are in Wonder Woman and Batman. And maybe, maybe in this pop cooter action comics. Yeah, so, I, I will. I will say there's another book that I see it in, 
and I'm still reading it despite the fact that it's kind of awful just because it is so clearly a personal vision. Which one is that? The Movement. Oh, yeah, the Gail Simone book, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised that's still coming out. It is the lowest selling book they have. It has not (laughs) been canceled yet, inexplicably. And I will read it until Gail Simone is off it, or it is more likely canceled in about a week. Uh, just, Just because it's one of the few DC books that I think genuinely has some personality, has some personality and has some surprises up its sleeve. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, it, it it it's it's a little bit more creator owned for a company book too. I mean, these are all characters she created whole cloth, right, Cal? Uh, pretty much. There's a there's a couple there's a couple uh, slightly obscure characters in there, but most of them are her creations. Right. So I mean, it had that potential to sort of be that secret six of the new fifty two in a way. Um, but. Yeah, just it's just not catching on with people. Uh, I I haven't tried to read it at all. I you know, I tried to read Green Team and that just didn't work for me at all. <laughs> and I like Franco and Balthazar, by the way. But yeah, I I know you're a big Gail Simone fan, so that uh, I, that, that that does not surprise me whatsoever. Uh, you'd be you'd be that you'd be loyal to 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 her to her stuff there, man. That, that, uh, to your credit. I cannot I cannot stick with Batgirl that well, but. The movement is. I, I am sticking by it. I'm. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not enjoying that every month, but I'm sticking by it. <laughs> ah, good. Good. Hey, good for you, man. Good for you. All right. So let, let me transition off of DC and Warner Brothers stuff, uh, and let's let's talk about Marvel for a second because they had a little bit of news of their own. And, I mean, not only did we see a number of trailers debut last night, uh, sort of give us an expanded look at some upcoming films that are coming this year, but we also got some news about films that are coming in a couple of years. So, first things first, let's talk about Thor 3, whatever that's going to be called. Um, It was announced that uh, Craig Kyle and Chris Yost would be taking over the writing reins for this third Thor film. Now... They're not strangers to the Thor films at all. Uh, having, I know Chris Yost, I think re rewrote uh, or at least did a did a did a draft of Thor: The Dark World at some point. And Craig Kyle has sort of been one of the executive producers for the Thor's franchise. So there, it's a bit of an internal job. Uh, for Marvel Studios to bring in these two guys who have, have do have some comic writing experience. So I guess this is sort of the first time we've got comic writers writing a, a superhero movie film other than David Goyer, I guess, if you want to consider him one, which I guess he was at one point. Um, so, Cal, I know you're the biggest Thor fan I know. Uh, so I, I, <laughs> let, let me talk to you about this first, and then I'll transition over to Shane and then Harper. Wh- what do you think about Kyle and Yost uh, taking this thing over? You know, I, I honestly, I don't know enough about them. Um I don't have enough of a sense of how they'll work as uh, movie writers. I've read some of their comics. They were fine, but they weren't great. Uh, But then, I mean, I don't think that the Thor movies really demand a uh, terribly strong personal voice. And so uh, I'm I'm hopeful. Uh, The Thor movies have been... To me, uh, consistently enjoyable. I mean, both they they were both problematic, but they were also both uh, again to me um, very interesting in ways that uh, a lot of super movies weren't. 
And uh, as long as they keep trying to, uh, as long as they keep that alive, I'll be, I'll be totally fine with that. Honestly, a bigger part of the Thor movies for me is, is the cast, uh, who I just think is perfect. So, um, it's, it, they'll be fighting an uphill battle to fail with me. Sure. No, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 you have the long discussions you and I have had over the Thor films. I, 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 I get the feeling that uh, it, it would really have to, it would have to do a big face plant to, to not uh, to kill your goodwill, I guess. Uh, which is which is which is cool. Um, now, Shane, what about you? Uh, what do you think about uh, this new writing team, and uh, what do you think about the direction of the Thor movies thus far? Um, I, I don't really know anything about either of the writers that. One of their names sounds familiar, but I don't think I've read anything by him. Um, but, um, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised Thor 3 is in the works, considering how Thor the Dark World ended. Um, Thor, I didn't mind. Thor the Dark World I enjoyed significantly more when it didn't look like one of the Star Wars prequels. Um, but uh, it was enjoyable, although I know uh, my favorite part of the movie is probably everyone else's least favorite part of the movie, and that was that collector scene. Um, but uh, other than that... I mean, I'm not surprised they're making a third one, so I don't really mind. I guess I'm just saddened because I I had had so much hopes that Phase 3 was going to be all new franchises. Sure. No, I, I, I agree. But it almost seems like there's going to be a couple sequels that come in 2016 from the sounds of things. Um, Harper, how about you, man? Uh, do, do, any, any thoughts about Chris Yost? I really don't know much about the two of them, but I was I was just looking at them on IMDb, and both of them seem to have a, a long history with um, doing a lot of animated stuff with um, with some good, some bad uh, superhero Marvel and DC um, cartoons. So I mean that you know I, I I'm a big animation fan, so I'm always uh, eager to give those guys a shot. Um, if they've had some uh, some hand in the last two movies, I enjoyed them. Um, I don't necessarily think they were the best that Marvel's done, but um, I think Thor has got of, of the established properties they've already put put into movies. I think Thor has easily the most potential for a really great movie, um, particularly visually and just the the setting and the idea of kind of combining this science fiction and fantasy idea. So, um, you know, I, I, I like the first two, so I, I'd be pretty interested to see the third one. Well, I keep waiting for a Thor movie to get good. Um, yeah. I, I hope it comes. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, I hope 2016 is the year. Um, but I mean, honestly, for base me, it on Jason Aaron's run. I, yeah. For me, it's just uh, it, it, they're just not the films that have worked for me, unfortunately. Um, but I'm in a very small minority there because most people really like these movies. So I know that uh, that I am alone in my disdain for Thor: The Dark World. Um, so one thing though that I think is interesting is that because of their history with animation. And it, it, it's not a really great comparison. But have you ever heard these people that, that uh, sort of uh, that strive for this idea of, I want Bruce Tim to take over the DC on film, uh, DC Universe on film, blah, 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 blah. Well, 
to me, this almost sounds like this is the Marvel version of that. They're just going to their animated guys and they're saying, why don't you guys come and take over this and, and uh, sort of help shape this one franchise. That's kind of cool in a way, um, giving like these guys an opportunity, as you mentioned, Harper, to sort of shape something, even though they've, they've had their opportunity to do it you know, throughout the process of, of Marvel Studios setting up their initial universe. But uh, I just think that's kind of neat that uh, they're sort of digging internally. Um, though some might argue, well, why don't you hire a real screenwriter and not hire a producer to write this thing? Uh, you know, it could go an interesting way. I mean, it certainly... Marvel films are all sort of one style, as we mentioned before. They all sort of have a similar look and tone and feel. And this is definitely a move that's in line with that. Uh, it seems like most rumors are dictating that this movie is going to be about Ragnarok. Uh, we'll see if that actually ends up occurring. But uh, certainly a strong storyline and could be a pretty epic uh, the third film for a Thor trilogy of some sort. Uh, hopefully uh, we won't get very much of Cat Dennings because that would be <laughs> one big plus for me, that's for sure. Uh, though I know Cal's a big fan, so it's I don't want to... Counterpoint, if I can hear her say Mew Mew one more time, I'm going to be pretty happy. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's great. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Thor 3. We've also found out that it looks like um, the Russo brothers have been asked, or at least are in negotiations to return and direct the third Captain America film, which is still untitled, of course. Um, early screenings for Captain America the Winter Soldier have uh, apparently blown the roof off the place. Uh, many people have, have come out saying that this film is pleasing a lot of folks internally at Marvel. So, uh, we saw a pretty extended trailer for Captain America the Winter Soldier uh, over the Super Bowl. If you are a sports ball fan, uh, I am not, but... I got a chance to watch it on YouTube probably a couple hours later, thanks to Rich Johnson at Breeding, Bleeding Cool. And then I then stuck that on geekrex.com. So, um, guys, did y'all get a chance to see this Captain America trailer shit? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. Loved it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I love that even though like it clearly has like these giant action set pieces, uh, I definitely get that political thriller tone that they said this movie was going to have. And... I, as much as I want to see these really awesome-looking action set pieces that just look gigantic in scope, um, I really want to see more of that political thriller tone because I think that's going to really separate this movie yet again and make this franchise just so different because you had the period piece with the first film and now you have a political thriller, hopefully, as the second. And so it makes me curious what the third could possibly be about because I really don't know much about Captain America um, solo on his own. And so... Winter Soldier in the 40s is all I know, so I don't really know where they could go from here. Dimension Z. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? I, they're, they're, sometimes I get the inkling to go back and reread that arc, but uh, I've only read the first three issues. Did you guys ever finish that, Cal or Harper? Did that ever get good? That's as far into it as I, I made it. Um, it I, I, I don't know. I've heard mostly good things about it. I just couldn't, couldn't really stomach the, the setting. Uh, it, it got, um, it got much more so. I don't know if it got good, but it got more. I will give it that. <laughs> okay. Well, um, it, it, it was, it, I was intrigued for a bit. It was like a prophet. It was like prophet, but Captain, Captain America, you know? Yeah. They, they pushed that harder and harder as it goes on. And, uh, 
Honestly, I liked a lot about it. It had some pretty big problems. Uh, I think the last four or five issues of it, I think probably the the phrase, like, I have to push through the pain, probably got said, like, nine <laughs> times. <laughs> but, uh, but, like, honestly, I'm so happy that they just decided to not try and follow up Brubaker's, uh, like, epic 10-year-long or however long run with more of the same and just decided, you know what, let's just do something. Let's just go straight pulp. Sure. Of course. Of course. Um, you know, to, to get back to the, uh, to the film, I, I, I'm, I'm pumped. I'm so pumped. Like, I mean, I, I rewatched Captain America, the first Avenger last weekend and I still love that movie. Like, I love it. And I think it's so well written. I think it's super tight plot-wise. I mean, sure, I've got little, like, complaints here and there. But, man, it's just so fun and so good. And uh, they just nail that 40s tone so well. And it's so crazy because I came out of that movie, the, the, like, the last time, the last Joe Johnson movie I saw before that, I booed in the theater <laughs> i was so upset with the wolf man so it was so crazy to see such a good movie come out of him i was so surprised uh with the first avenger so the winter soldier i mean i love that stuff we talked about on the show before i love that brubaker arc um i'm really excited about all the action i mean i think winter i mean he looks he's it's so crazy they're so they're they're, they're being so fidelitous to the comic book that you've got You've got Captain America wearing the outfit that Steve Rogers wore when he was Steve Rogers' super soldier, you know, and uh, when Bucky was uh, Captain America. And then you've got and then you've got this this Winter Soldier design that is dead on to the comic books. It is so awesome to see that aesthetic just come to life on the screen in in a way that uh, I don't know, it just it just blows my mind that we're actually getting to see something so close from such a recent arc too. It's 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 incredible. I'm I'm so excited. I, I, I there's nothing else I can say about it. April cannot come soon enough. Yeah. I mean seriously. Um so uh, the other thing that is worth note about uh, where Marvel Studios is headed here, I uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about it much a couple weeks ago, but I'd love to just touch on this with Ant-Man shaping up and with uh, both Thor and Captain America seemingly releasing in 2016. So Michael Douglas is playing Hank Pym and Ant-Man in 2015. Yay or nay, guys? Uh, good, bad, Shane? What do you think? I I don't know. Um, I, I want to know what the Wasp's role is, <laughs> um, if she's going to have one at all. And then uh, other than that, um, I don't know. Hank Pym's a bit of a dick, so maybe this will work out in his favor. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps so. Perhaps so. I mean, it, it seems like unconventional casting, but I, maybe uh, they've had this same... Uh, it seems like Edgar Wright's had the same presentation for the film for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Right, right, Harper? Yeah, I mean, it's it's still kind of hard to tell where it's going to go, really. There's been so little about it. But, um, you know, I, I'm still very excited about it just as, um, uh, like you said, Shane, about being disappointed about Thor 3 instead of something new. Ant-Man is finally, you know, our, our attempt at something non-Avengers or, or non-previously established Avengers. Um, I think Michael Douglas is a is a pretty interesting casting choice, but honestly, I don't really know that much of the connection between Hank Pym and uh, Paul Rudd is playing 
Scott Lang? Yeah, right? Scott Lang. Uh, I don't really know the connection between the two that well. I, I know who Hank Pym is pretty well, um, but obviously he's not going to be the Ant-Man that we're primarily following. Um, so it's still hard to tell. I can't remember if Marvel expert Cal wants to correct me here. Uh, did did Scott Lang steal Hank Pym's outfit at some point? Is that how he became Ant Man, or was he like a, an apprentice of Hank Pym's? Uh, it's it's funny that you call me the Marvel expert. Until like four years ago, I probably had read maybe three Marvel comics, uh, <laughs> like total. Um, I, uh, I'm not actually sure how Scott Lang became Ant-Man. I know um, uh, he's not the one, or at least I don't believe he's the one, who stole the Ant-Man suit. That was, uh, I am completely blanking on his name. Erica Grady? Erica, yes, ah. yes. The, the creepy, malevolent uh, Eric Grady. Uh, he, he definitely stole the suit. Uh, um... I honestly don't remember how Scott Lang became it. Like everything I know about Scott Lang honestly comes from a uh, young Avengers where he's, um, he's the father of one of the young Avengers. So that's the extent of my knowledge about him, to be honest. Yeah. Until she met her unfortunate demise at the hands of Victor Von doom. Um, I, I, that's right. Right. I think, I think she ended up getting killed at some point. She, she did indeed. Yeah. Shame. Spoiler alert. Yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited about that. I, I'm interested to see how Douglas, uh, becomes like a, I, I, I think he's going to be like a fifties or sixties superhero, uh, and his younger days, and I believe that that was like sort of the idea that as it was initially presented, sort of a tales to astonish style hero. Um, but in 2016, we're getting Thor, the Dark War, Thor three, whatever that is going to be, and Captain America three, along with potentially another Marvel film, which has been rumored to Doctor be Strange. Yeah, right. Something to you know, some something else to get potentially excited about. Um, my guess is in May we're probably going to see Thor 3 being released on the same day as uh, this Man of Steel sequel, which is when Cal and I will have the amazing debate uh, in 2016 that I cannot wait for. <laughs> it, it will be just looking at those box office returns probably to see who wins, uh, which will be a lot of fun. Uh, I, think we, I think we know who's going to win. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I might take that bet that uh, it depends. I think it's Batman. Oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> Thor, Thor. If, it, if it was just a Man of Steel sequel, I might honestly, I'm, I, I would put it up to an open fight. But throwing Batman in there, like, there, there's no way that uh, um, Thor 3 will be able to uh, keep up with the newest Batman movie, which is honestly why they're doing it i bet yeah probably so i i just wonder because i feel like thor the dark world almost made as much money as man of steel in a november time frame uh which is a really weird time to uh draw a lot of people to a theater which means i feel like if captain america the winter soldier can make a lot of money in april mm-hmm. then i think these marvel movies can make money no matter when they release <laughs> well, was it wasn't there a rumor going around that Marvel was looking to expand to uh, four movies a year, one each quarter? Yeah, 
Yeah, I think that was like Kevin Feige's uh, dream, is what I heard. Uh, at least what I read in an interview. Black somewhere. Panther, please. Sure, that's been another rumor. Black Panther, Dar- Doctor Strange, uh, and uh, what? Uh, Captain Marvel. Miss Marvel, yeah. Yeah. Miss Marvel, yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that they can pull from, and a lot of new franchises, particularly where as they probably try to cycle people out. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is not going to do these movies forever. Um, so we're probably looking at some new blood coming in and uh, taking over. And, you know, it's very likely Marvel may give you that first female-fronted superhero f- movie finally if if, 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 if uh, WB doesn't beat him to the punch with Wonder Woman. We'll see what happens. Um, okay, so last little bit on the Marvel side of things before I move into the Sony Fox stuff. Uh, tomorrow Is it tomorrow that Deathlock debuts, Shane? Uh, I don't know. I haven't watched Agents of Shield since the episode they explained what happened to Coulson. So. Oh really? You stopped watching? Um, more just I haven't caught up. Oh, I see. I got gotcha. you. Um, okay, so I guess Deathlock's gonna debut uh, maybe on the February fifth episode, or maybe it's uh, later. I know Stan Lee's episodes tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. It, or tonight. It, it is tomorrow. Um, or wait, that's a Monday show, isn't it? So it's tonight. Or is it Tuesday? Uh, no. Uh, yeah. No. February fourth. Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay, I yeah. could have sworn that was a Monday show. No, no, God, it, that show would be in trouble if it was a Monday show, I think. But, yeah, Tuesday, Deathlock makes his television debut, played by J. August Richards. I guess it's an attempt to sort of breathe some life back into a, a fairly stagnant show. I haven't been watching it at all, so I can't really, like, speak to its quality anymore. Eh. Is, is, is it, is it kind of, eh? Yeah, I'm, it, it's, it's watchable, but it's, it's definitely not what it could be. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty lazy. Like it, it 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 it's improved very slightly over the earliest episodes, but it's still not uh, appointment TV. Are, are, you, are you still watching it regularly, Cal? I am. I am. I have a few friends here who uh, who on, who love it, just unconditionally love the show, and so uh, I end up watching it with them uh, every week. Okay, well, I bet it'd be good good group TV watching, sort of like Arrow probably is too, especially if alcohol's involved, I bet. I bet that... <laughs> I, I, I can attest to the fact that the more mind-altering substances you introduce to Arrow, the better it becomes. <laughs> uh, Hannah and I get to watch it uh, sometimes, and we'll MST3K it while we watch it, and uh, it's... It's pretty awesome to be able to make fun of it while you watch it. I, I did, at first, uh, I thought maybe, well, maybe this isn't such a bad show. And then after I got about two or three episodes in, I thought, oh, never mind. Uh, this is just this is good in an ironic way, I guess. But uh, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I just, uh, you know, my interest has just been so narrow and thin. I'm just not that interested in it. But I might check out this episode tomorrow just so I can see what Deathlock on TV looks like. That's kind of interesting. Um, bit of a C character to pull in. But... I don't know. Uh, Harper, any interest at all, or are you just out? Oh, I've been out for a long, long time. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, I'll, I'll wait and see the uh, I'll see the pictures later, but, but I, I have doubts that he'll show up in full uh, bizarro classic Marvel look. I, I imagine he'll be more of a uh, android kind of character, which is about the most boring thing you could do to Deathlock, so. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I mean, I, I, I like that Rick Remender run of Uncanny X-Force. Oh, yeah. Deathlock shows up. Deathlock Nation and stuff. I mean, that's that's my Deathlock, so uh, I, we won't get any of that. But, um, 
So we had another big trailer, which was this trailer for Amazing Spider-Man 2 that hit during the Super Bowl commercial break period. Did that make you more excited, Shane, or did that make you, you know, um, kind of... Are, are we are we talking about the four-and-a-half-minute thing that came out or whatever? Yeah, with all the villains. Um, I'm excited, but I feel like... I honestly feel like I've seen too much now. Um... To the point where I'm almost, I've almost got the same trepidations everyone else does about the movie. Uh Um, And like I was talking to some of my students who are in the graphic novel club and they were all like, oh, it's such an awesome trailer. I'm so excited for that movie. It's going to be the best comic book movie this year. And I was like, "Um, yeah, Captain America looks so much better. (laughs) And they they all know how excited I am for Guardians. So uh, I'd say out of the four we're getting this summer... Um, not including Sin City, so the four superhero movies we're getting this summer that are comic book based, it's probably number four right now, but I'm excited for all four. So I, I don't know about you guys. I thought that last Amazing Spider-Man was a disaster. Like, I hated that movie, but... I didn't like it either. Yeah, yeah I was... I, I That's I one of my it. least favorite superhero movies ever. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not excited about New Spider-Man. I loved it. Andrew Garfield's perfect as Peter Parker. No, I agree with that. I agree with that. I like him a lot. I just don't like anything else. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I like Gwen... I like, I like uh, Emma Stone. Um, it's hard not to like Emma Stone, right? But... Yeah. Uh, it's just... Yeah, I, it, all these villains, and I, I, you know, I had shades of Jim Carrey as the Riddler watching that trailer uh, with Jamie Foxx. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty dreadful, right? With the comb over and the, uh, you know, you lied to me, Spider Man. <laughs> I mean, it was, it just didn't, it didn't land for me at all. Uh, it was the most mundane motiva- motivation to become a supervillain since uh, <laughs> the God Butcher arc in uh, Thor, God of Thunder. <laughs> nice. Where where he gets the impetus to destroy the universe because life is unfair sometimes, I guess. <laughs> that was like the worst issue of that whole arc, by the way. I, mean, I, I love that arc, but I hate that origin issue for gore. So... Um, sometimes it's best just to keep your villains mysterious, <laughs> as, as we learn with with the, some of our better superhero movies. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know the electric eels. None of this is 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 really adding up to something good for me. Though I will say I like all the colors. Um, some cinematographer is definitely doing his job, which uh, you know works for me. But uh, I don't know, Harper. Are you even going to go see Spider Man too? I'll see it, but but uh, like you said, really, the cinematography is the only thing I'm interested in. That's the only thing I took away from the the first one is I thought it was really, it was really pretty. Um, and they they nailed the way Spider Man, uh, you know, swings around. But oh, other God, than that, web slinging was amazing. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, but that's literally the only thing I remember about the movie. Um, I forgot it existed for a while. Uh, so uh, you know, I don't know. I'll see it, but I'm not I'm not too thrilled about it. I always liked uh, that comparison that um, at least when he swings in these movies, he doesn't look like a rubber band flying around, um, <laughs> which for he always looked like in the Raimi movies. He just looked like a big CGI rubber man. Um, so certainly I, I, I may go see it. I, I, Harper, if you drag me to it, I'll go see it. I was about to say, what else are you doing May 3rd? So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, May 3rd, I'll probably be on a work trip, so maybe that'll be my excuse. I might catch it the next weekend or something. <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. Um, okay, one last little bit that is worth talking about is this reaction we got last week to all of those Empire covers that were released for X-Men Days of Future Past. There were a lot of them. 
uh, 25 to be exact. Um, And I I don't know who's going to be buying that Havoc cover for Empire. (laughs) It's Hula Hoops again. Oh, my God. Maybe that actor's mother will be buying all the issues. But uh, (laughs) I have a hard time imagining. Hey, I like like looking at him. I know. Fair enough. Fair (laughs) enough. I I just don't like the Hula Hoops. (laughs) But um, so... We have uh, the, the the big the big um, controversy that sort of brewed around it, and I use that very very loosely. But the brouhaha that brewed around these Empire covers was the look of Quicksilver. We had seen pictures on set of um, Evan Peters dressed up as the X Men uh, Fox version of Quicksilver, and it gotten a little bit of. Uh, trepidatious response now with this empire cover we saw him full blast with his headphones his silver jacket his silver hair his sunglasses looking like kid vid from the burger king kids club Uh, (laughs) looking pretty rough i if i may say so myself but maybe you guys feel less less uh, less trepidatious about it uh cal what did you think of quicksilver as uh as evan peters is portraying him well, I've been pretty reluctant about this movie for a while now. Um, I I don't think Brian Singer is a great director, but more to the point, I don't think that Brian Singer. Uh, I think that Brian Sting- Singer is embarrassed to be making superhero movies, sure. and so with with X Men Two, you know, or with X Men, the first X Men movie, you had uh, Wolverine commenting about like the black pleather. And they were, oh, what would you, what do you want, yellow spandex? And I feel like even though Marvel and DC have both proven that you can make these costumes look really good on film, Brian Singer is still in the, oh, what do you want, yellow spandex phase? And uh, he's trying to make it look cool in a very 90s way. Yeah, I mean it's 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 all about aesthetics, and I, I I fear the aesthetics of this Days of Future Past film, which it felt like I didn't love First Class, but they did at least get the the blue and yellow uniform part right, and it felt like they were embracing the sort of fun, carefree, uncanny X Men superhero vibe that really is what the X Men franchise needed, and it does feel like Brian Singer is a bit of could be could be facing a bit of a step back. Harper, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, of of the four of us, I'm probably the, the one most excited about this movie, and I <laughs> I have to kind of cringe a, a lot <laughs> looking at that uh, costume. I think most of the other ones look look fine; they look okay. But um, I, I saw something posted on Reddit the other day where they posted uh, there was a a porn parody of the Captain America movie, and Quicksilver's costume was much cooler in that <laughs> than it is here. Not only um, his costume, his pose was straight from the comics. Yeah, right. It was so accurate, which is like, wow, they, they put some time into that. Uh, but <laughs> um, but this is just so goofy looking. Um, yeah, I, I, I just hope he's not a big part of the movie, but they've, they've made such a big media deal out of not only this, but before that, just the fact that he's in the movie at all. You know, I'm, I'm not real attached to the character, but I hope he's not in the movie much. <laughs> Shane, any closing thoughts on that one? Um, I guess. I mean, I think it's. I think it's pretty obvious that uh, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in Avengers are probably going to have their Ultimates look, which is much better than their traditional look. Um, but uh, in terms of Days of Future Past, um, that's probably if Amazing Spider-Man's my fourth one. I'm most excited about. Uh, then Days of Future Past is number three. Um, 
eh. I mean, uh, I guess, I guess, I don't think they've ever said it one way or the other, but it looks like Quicksilver's probably not Magneto's kid in this. Uh, they, they said that actually they will talk about his lineage, at least hint towards it in the film. Apparently, Quicksilver's party isn't even that big, according to... Uh, well, it looks like he's hanging out with the, them in the 70s, and it's like, that's only been 10 years, like... Who did Magneto have sex with? So <laughs> True. <laughs> it's a good point. Logistically, it seems like Evan Peters is more like his younger brother than he is right. his son. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it's approached, I guess. Um, uh, the time travel aspects excite me, uh, yeah. but everything I've seen so far is diminishing that excitement bit by bit by bit by bit. Um, okay, so... Let's wrap news there. A uh, lot of interesting stuff coming. We've probably still got a number of really big news stories hitting over the next couple weeks. Maybe even a title for this freaking Man of Steel movie. Um, Darkest Knight. <laughs> Darkest Knight. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, that would be... I, 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 could, I could deal with the jokes, honestly. <laughs> the Blackest Hour. That was the one I think I liked the best. Uh, those uh, potential titles. But uh, all right, so let's let's transition over into comics, since we did talk a little bit about that already with uh, some of our misgivings of what's going on at DC right now versus uh, the situation at Marvel. You know, one of the things that always fascinates me is this idea of what's the first thing you read when you get your pile. We all get our big piles of comics every week. Some of us spend, you know, maybe as as little as ten dollars a week. Some of us spend. $30 a week if your name is mm-hmm. opinion or Shane Perry. Um, and Harper, I don't even know what you pull. Hmm, you don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. <laughs> I mean, it might be it might be way worse. Um, so I'm just curious, when you guys get your books, I mean, we all have our big pull lists, but you know that there are these things when you, when you organize your books, you say, all right, I'm going to read this first because I just cannot go without reading this right now. Harper, I want to start with you, man. What is the like the first couple of books in every month that you just have to read? Well, uh, I think I may have used this as my choice for a uh, book I was most looking forward to in 2014, and it has so far not disappointed. Uh, Afterlife with Archie, I, I continue to think, is absolutely the best thing being published right now. Um, it's All three issues have been... Um, you know, top tier, 10 out of 10 books for me so far. Um, the art by Frank Avia is ridiculously gorgeous and, um, and entertaining and nostalgic. The story is weirdly adult and creepy, and, uh, but also has a lot of clever nods and, uh, and jokes you know, related to the Archie universe and stuff. It's just an absolute blast. It's uh, it it literally is always the first thing I read at, when I when it comes out every uh, five weeks or so. Um, it's amazing. Well, that it's hard to fight that Frank Avia art, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, it, it, certainly one of the the top artists in the industry right now. Uh, even though he doesn't ever seem to have a regular gig uh, anywhere you turn, but uh, just absolutely fabulous. That's that's written by uh, Roberto Aguirre Scarza, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I haven't read a whole lot of his, though I know he he's most famous for writing Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. <laughs> That's <Yeah>. weird. <laughs> I know, I know. He, he didn't write the initial script, but I think they had him rewrite the, the thing after Julie Taymor was uh, uh, unceremoniously kicked off. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, Archie's been, been in an interesting spot. I mean, it's sort of like become this... A really cool progressive book out of nowhere, and maybe that's always been the case because I, I don't read Archie. But with um, 
this really exciting Afterlife book and the Kevin Keller stuff. I mean, Archie's like sort of on the front lines of really like interesting storytelling. Yeah, they're putting out really great stuff. This is this isn't the only thing. This is probably the most out there and and most interesting. But yeah, I mean, for for a couple of years now, they've been putting out some really interesting books that are yeah, like you said, very very progressive and um, they take this really kind of tired 50s idea you know would you think like oh i cannot believe archie comics are still being published but they take it and twist it into something really interesting and very surprisingly modern so i love it sure absolutely cal what about you man uh, in terms of your big piles and you don't have to limit this to one thing by the way so harper i'll circle back to you if you've got another one sure um the uh what's what's the first thing you got to read every month well i uh, i actually i read the books that i'm less certain about first so that i can end on a good note every time that sounds like shane to me uh, it is actually um so if i as if i was to say what the um uh, first book I read every month, it would be just be whatever's the worst book that's coming out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I'm still reading the movement. Sure, <laughs> that, right on. Okay, so what's the uh, last book you read every month then? Uh, I would probably say uh, honestly, and this is this has kind of come out of nowhere. I, I did not expect this at all when it first started coming out. Uh, the first issue I liked, but I didn't love as much as a lot of critics. But it has grown on me considerably, and it's it's handily the book I'm most excited about every month, and that is uh, pretty deadly. Right on. You know, I have I still have all f- like four of those issues sitting by my bedside to be read. <laughs> um, I, I need to I need to get on it. I tried to read the first issue, I couldn't get much further because I my concentration wasn't there, and that's like a book I have to be concentrating on to be able to understand. But it's it sure is pretty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, there are a lot of books coming out right now, especially from Image, that I think um, the artists in particular are doing uh, just career-defining work. Um, but then I would have said the same thing, I guess, about you know someone like Pia, Gra- Pia Guerra in uh, Why the Last Man, you know, ten years ago, and <laughs> I don't see her everywhere. So <laughs> you never, you never do know, but. Uh, Emma Rios and uh, Jordi Belair, the colorist, are doing fantastic work. Um, and Kelly Sue DeConnick, you know, I mean, we, we, we've we differed, I think, on uh, her Captain Marvel run. Right. Uh, but this is one of those times when, when, when I realize, you know, like, pigeonholing writers isn't necessarily a good idea. Yeah, a lot of them stick with their uh, pet themes and pet ideas and... A lot of their books are very samey, but uh, Pretty Deadly is one of those things where I just like I, in a thousand years after reading Captain Marvel and like all the you know a few other Kelly Sue Kelly Sue DeConnick books, never in a thousand years would I have pegged Pretty Deadly as a as hers. And I uh, love every bit of it, even the bits that I don't understand on any level. So would you say uh, for a guy that's like not as hot on Kelly Sue uh, as as many are, would would you say that this is like the book that somebody should read if they wanted to get get a get their toe in the water on her reading? Uh, I I would say uh, if you aren't that hot on Kelly Sue DeConnick, Pretty Deadly is definitely the book that you should give a shot to, just because it defies most of the things that people probably don't like about her writing and uh does so in really interesting creative ways so if, if she's not someone whose stuff you normally like 
this might be the only book she's publishing that uh, that I would really recommend. Yeah, right on. No, I, I, yeah, it's I love Emma Rios's art. Uh, I think it's just fabulous, even on lesser stuff like Doctor Strange season one, uh, which I <laughs> bought and regretted the crap out of. But um, but I, I I really really love the uh, the actual. The, the formation of the penciling there and stuff Jordy Belair is doing on the back end, who might be the best colorist in the business right now. I'll be honest fantastic. with you. Fantastic. I mean, it's just just unbelievable. Along with like Dean White and um, is it uh, Dave Stewart. Yeah, Dave yeah. Stewart. Yeah, so good. Colorists are just so underappreciated. Honestly, uh, I'm I'm just blown away consistently by how good and how much how, how much colors bring to a book now. Uh, it's it's just just fabulous. I mean, Jordi Belair is doing zero as well, which is also a phenomenal title. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely a, a, a book that I'm going to need to catch up on. I, I promise you, I will read it before the end of the weekend, and I will tell you everything <laughs> I think about it, Cal. I will. Shane, what about you? What's what's the first book that's on your pile? I bet I can guess what it is. Um, uh, had I told you before that I read the best things last? Is that how you knew that? Yes. Yeah, I knew. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I I, I treat reading comics like I do eating food. Like, I, I save the best thing that I think will taste best for last, and I save the comics that I think will be best for last. Um, so, uh, I think Harper and Kyle can guess which one always gets saved for last every month. Uh, is, it, is it Fables or Paris? I don't know. Both. <laughs> and they come out different weeks, so they can they both get saved for last each week they come out. So... Uh, Ferris is usually a week one or week two book, and then Fables is usually a week four book each month. Um... Or except for January, it was a week five book. But anyway, um, yeah, Fables. Um, I know one Harper and I share that we like a lot is uh, Saga. Saga is one that I usually save towards the bottom. Um, Batman, Wonder Woman, Thunderbolts, uh, New Avengers, uh, Rover Red Charlie is a new one that I still love. It's only two issues in, and it's... It, it's so sad, but it's so good. So good. And, um, yeah, that's those are pretty much the ones that consistently get put towards the bottom. Ones that get put towards the top for me are always, like, Batman, Superman, uh, Ninja Turtles, Iron Man. Um, I've been put... Uh, and any time I'm going to get an issue of all-new X-Men because of this stupid Guardians crossover, I'm going to put that towards the top. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why do you even still pull Iron Man? That's my question. Because uh, it's slight, it's getting slightly better. Ah, okay. <laughs> uh, it doesn't end up at the top of the pile necessarily every time it comes out anymore. Now it ends up about second or third. <laughs> so um, it, it's gotten slightly better since uh, Gillen finally turned uh, returned to Tony Stark to Earth. Ah, fair enough. Okay. Even though they did do this whole thing where they revealed that Tony Stark was really adopted and that he has a brother that who's the star, who's Tony or who's uh, Howard and Maria Stark's actual son. <laughs> That's awesome. Not yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah. Way, shape or form, but and they're they're building a city together, and then like the Mandarins coming back to attack it, but then also uh, Malekith is going to be involved somehow. Right, right. Well, but so so the good stuff though is definitely in that Vertigo line for you still. Uh, pretty much, yeah. Um, won't be able to say that a year from now because Fables only has thirteen issues left. But other than that. <laughs> Yeah, you know, for me, it's sort of like I, 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 my, my, my first read is sh- shifts a little bit. I typically find myself popping open Snyder's Batman first, just because mm-hmm. I, 
it's still exciting for me, and I'm loving, loving what FCO Placentia is doing coloring-wise with this zero-year stuff. I mean, it. even if you don't like what Snyder does with Batman, and I know a number of people that don't, um, boy, it sure is a beautiful book to behold. I mean, it's 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 Greg Capullo's best work of his career. Danny Mickey is the best anchor in the business. And FCO Placentia, oh my gosh, coloring just unbelievable. You know, some people would, would probably figure I, I'd say I'd read Wonder Woman first. But I got to tell you, that book, having been on the same storyline for about three years, yeah, it's very hard for me to get psyched up to read that book. Um, so that's not like always on the first of my list. I'm just kind of like, oh, more about this baby, you know, and more, <laughs> more about the uh, Hermes and the firstborn. You know, it's just I'm ready for something a little new with that now. As much as I enjoy what Azrael is doing, I say though, if there's like one book that's like my absolute first read, it's probably gonna be a tie between uh, Ed Brubaker's Fatal, which I just I love to pieces. I think it's. A, after its first arc, which admittedly was a little rocky and was probably a little tough for you know, readers to jump into, man, I still have found that book to get better and better and better and better. Now that we're past the 90s arc and we're into like present day again, I mean, it, we're, we've got a, a logical endpoint for this series, and I think it's going to hang really well with books like Incognito and Criminal and uh, Sleeper. I uh, would uh, really uh, sort of keep my Brubaker shelf looking very beautiful and white, uh, with all those uh, lovely deluxe hardcovers. I can't wait to see how it ends. I think Sean Phillips is doing the best work of his career, uh, of a very, very storied career. Um, Fatal is fabulous, and I can't wait for their next series to start. Uh, but I say it would be tied right now with uh, uh, Sex Criminals, which is so much fun. Um, the first four issues of that have just been delightful, and I think it's it's so funny. I, I never liked Matt Fraction, as a writer until the past couple years when Hawkeye hit and then FF after that. And then these incredible image books that sort of came out of nowhere, like sex criminals, satellite, Sam, and then some of his that he has coming up like Odyssey, uh, which I'm very excited about uh, as well as some of his future titles that he's working on. Once uh, he probably fully walks off of Marvel and goes straight into creator own work. I- I'm just, I'm blown away. I feel like he's probably, you know, he won, he won uh, my, my little giveaway for uh, best writer of the year when we did our Rexies a few months back, but I-, I still feel like his books just carry so much excitement for me. I can't wait for Casanova to come back. Um, in a couple months, hopefully by the fall, we'll get that fourth Casanova volume, which is going to be an image book as well. But man, Sex Criminals is so awesome. It's just such a good, good book. And Chip Zdarsky, um, I don't know if you ever follow him on on Facebook, but he really does talk to Applebee's guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw an entire uh, collection of his posts with them. Like he he uh, apparently befriended his local Applebee's and carried on with them for months <laughs> he apparently still even does it, it hasn't even ended it's uh you know he gets his father involved and uh <laughs> you know the applebee's asked like what are you doing this weekend and chip like writes an entire diatribe about what is he's got going on this weekend and applebee's will respond oh what movie did you go see chip that's so funny it, it's pretty awesome so uh harper uh do you have like a second choice of a book that you pick up right after your after your afterlife with archie experience uh, been a lot of great ones talked about. I, I love uh, Saga and, and Sex Criminals as well, but one I don't think we've mentioned is uh, Thor. Um, I wow. wasn't uh, 
overly um, ecstatic about the kind of Dungeons and Dragons, the last arc with Malekith. I thought it was good, but it wasn't my favorite. But um, this past issue that came out last week was fantastic. One of my favorite uh, single issues I've read in a while. And uh, re- reading about what's coming up with uh, old King Thor fighting Galactus, I yeah. couldn't possibly be more excited. So I had the exact opposite reaction, although I am also excited about the next story arc, uh, especially with it being all on Midgard. But yeah, I thought... I thought the Malekith arc was, great, arc was great, but I thought this last standalone issue was not particularly outstanding, especially when the last standalone issue we had was that amazing Midgard issue. Uh, th- that one really paled in comparison. Oh, I, I love that last Midgard issue as well, but this one with the, the kind of different kind of dragon we get uh, than that's kind of typical, this kind of, kind of silly, but then suddenly very yeah. weirdly heartfelt in the end. I thought it was really funny, it was clever, and the art was stunning. It was unlike anything I've ever seen in a Marvel book. But, I mean, if you told me a year and a half ago that uh, yeah. a Thor book would be at the top <laughs> of my stack, I would say you were absolutely crazy. Um, I've never read a Thor book before, but I love this one to death. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that issue as well. I felt really bad for the dragon, though. Yeah, yeah. poor guy. <laughs> Scottgar or whatever. But yeah, I, I think I think Jason Aaron is doing some of the best superhero work of his career, though Scalped was a, a fabulous series prior to. Um, so, I'm excited about his new creator-owned series. Well, no, I'm not. I, you know what? I like a lot of image books. I don't know if I'm going to pick up that Southern Bastards. Or oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> Just for the potential of a Roll Tide being thrown out in there. I, I got to get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Cal, is there another book that uh, just really floats your boat uh, these days? Uh, well, you guys touched on a lot of them. Sex Criminals. Um, I would say, honestly, uh, I'm just kind of... I'm, I'm in... I'm, in love with image right now and so mm-hmm. uh i think my next one will be another pretty new book and that's uh velvet yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah Baker, yeah. steve epting and um i am having a blast with it it's running through all sorts of different uh kind of james bond tropes you know with the stealth suit but then yeah. this newest issue was a uh grittier kind of um 80s bond throwback like it's but at the same time it feels more like fleming's bond than any of the movies oh absolutely it's it's been a really interesting series and i'm honestly i I, i'm really excited to see it grow i mean i've I've liked most of almost everything i've read from brubaker but velvet is just so in my wheelhouse as something that i was ready for yeah. And I'm so glad that it's as good as I hoped it would be. You know what's really exciting to me about that series also? I mean, beyond just the fact that it's Brubaker and Epting, uh, you know, rekindling that Captain America chemistry, um, is that the protagonist is like a woman that's like in her late 30s, early 40s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got to be in her 40s by yeah, now. Yeah, she's in her 40s. Yeah. You never, you, I mean, who, who would have ever guessed that we'd get a chance to see something like that? I mean, that's that's fabulous. And uh, really, uh, really, like, kind of, it just it represents like a very underrepresented, uh, you know, <laughs> demographic in action you know, drama and uh, in comics. I mean, that's really awesome, and I, I really have to tip my cap to Brubaker for uh, you know, and, and Epting for doing that. I think that's just just yeah. stupendous. Plus, it's just a great book. I mean, what else can <laughs> I say? It's, it's it's very exciting. Harper, you read that one, don't you? 
I do. Um, I'm I'm not quite as huge a fan of it as you guys are, I think, but I do really enjoy it. Um, I particularly think the the art is really fantastic um, and and surprisingly inventive for something that's such a tried and true. Um, uh, you know, it kind of relies on those tropes in a really interesting way. Um, and the way he kind of adds the the maps in her head and the you know the way she's thinking about how to how to approach the next situation, I, I love that stuff. So I do really enjoy it. Oh well, Harper, you don't like anything, do you? <laughs> no, I'm kidding, man. Um, okay, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff. And yeah, speaking to your image, love, Cal. I mean, we didn't talk about it in news, but boy, all those titles they announced recently. Holy cow! I I can't wait. I mean, I I think I added like mentally six books that I will be getting this year for sure. Um, but I don't know if there was any that are going to be like targeted for you specifically. But uh, did you get a chance to run through all those books that uh, they got announced at Image Expo? I saw most of them. Um, I'm excited for Odyssey, which you mentioned. Uh, it looks goofy, but I'm looking forward to uh, another Kelly Sue DeConnick book, Bitch Planet. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest title ever, by the way. Yeah, I, I love that cover, too. Um, but honestly, uh, Image is getting to the point where, you know what, if... I am even remotely interested in the creator who's doing it. I'm probably going to check out the book. It's it's uh, they've just had such a fantastic run over the last like year and a half or so that uh, you know what I'm I'm always looking for new things to read, especially as you know DC alienates me and Marvel prices me out sure. and uh, Image is really Image and Valiant are really filling that niche for me. Yeah, you know, we never talk about Valiant ever because I, I don't, unfortunately, read any of those books. No. I hear great things about, like, Archer and Armstrong and Exo Man of War. Um, you know, uh, one day you'll have to t- tell me some good entry points to check that out if I uh, if I decide to just give up on DC altogether. <laughs> I, I think we all know which uh, which of those new Image books I'm going to be looking at first. Wait, what, Beyond Southern Bastards? Which What's the next one? I don't know. Uh, uh, there's that one Bill Willingham's writing. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, sure. I don't remember <laughs> the name of that. Do you, do you remember? Uh, I don't know. Something sounds similar enough to Fables <laughs> that I was going to pick it up. Uh, something about magic. I don't know. Um you know, I, I, I'm just excited because it's Bill Willingham, but I'm also upset because I thought the whole reason Fables was ending was because he was tired of writing comics so much. Well, you know the first thing is going to be on my poll is going to be Grant Morrison and Chris Burnham's new book. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you guys know about me and Grant Morrison. So that's, uh, that will I will be all over that, like White on Rice, uh, on top of, you know, I'm very interested in the Snyder-Jock collaboration, too, mm-hmm. that's coming up, but what witches which with a y i think the guy who writes ghosted has one coming out as well i think that's the one about the town full of serial killers or something that one sounded interesting i mean there's there's a lot of good stuff coming man i mean emma emma rios has got her own book she's writing with brandon graham i mean that's i love profit i love emma rios so this is a great pairing i think it's the book called eight house which uh, I think just sounds spectacular. Hopefully Brandon Graham will be doing some of the art. Uh, but a lot of great stuff coming from, from Image. I'm going to be very poor uh, yeah, <laughs> at the yeah. end of 2014. And I'm picking so much up from the all-new Marvel now as well. I'm definitely going to be poor. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Same here. Ugh. You know what? As a matter of fact, since... We we bring that up, and a couple new books are coming out this week. Let's let's Punisher. Wrap. Yeah, let's let let let's wrap and let's talk about the things we're most excited for next week. Shane, why don't you tell me a couple things you're excited for? 
Uh, Punisher is probably our most anticipated comic of this week uh, coming up, uh, just because it's something new. Um, I can't honestly recall what series I normally read that are coming out aside from action comics. Um, But uh, in terms of movies, uh, I was already excited for it anyway. As we recall, I talked about it with my most anticipated 2014, and then also to see that it currently has a 100, I believe, on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, The Lego movie comes out Friday, so... Catching a lot of heat, by the way, from people. Like, good heat. Um, yeah. I, I, I never saw that coming. I'll be I honest. have not seen a single negative thing from any of the film people I follow on Twitter. That's, so. that's unbelievable. I, I'm, I'm very excited, and I wasn't weeks ago. Now I'm like, wow, now I need to go see this uh, right away. Uh, but, you know, Cloudy... I think I know what we should do when I'm in Atlanta, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We can definitely uh, move, schedule that, man. Uh, go catch lunch or something and do that. Um, yeah, the, the Punisher book, by the way, that's... That, that's uh, Edmondson's L.A. Punisher, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's a pretty exciting concept. I might pick up that first issue, actually. And I love the cover, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... It, it's Yeah, Edmondson's been on a bit of a hot streak. A lot of people like Black Widow, too, actually, though... Uh, um, I, I still have yet to actually try to read it. I haven't read it. Yeah. Uh, though Cal has, I know. Uh, <laughs> so, Cal, what are you excited about next week, sir? Uh, I am excited. Uh, there, there are a few books I'm excited about. I know Marvel has a number of things coming out, but I think the one that I'm most interested in is probably uh, Ms. Marvel, actually. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I like the basic concept, but I also, uh, the, I think a big part of the reason I'm excited is uh, G. Willow Wilson, who's writing. Uh, I've kind of had my eye on her for a while uh, with uh, Cairo and Air. Uh, Vixen, Return of the Lion, and most recently, um, a book that I thought was immensely underrated if you like uh, kind of young adult fantasy comics, and that was Mystic. Uh, The only cross-gen book, uh, like Marvel's kind of failed cross-gen revival that I think was superior to the original by a considerable amount. Oh, yeah, you know what? I haven't thought about cross-gen in years, but (laughs) to be honest with you, the only cross-gen book I ever read was Route 666. Wasn't that a cross-gen book? (laughs) Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's that that I know. I hope that's a book that does really well because I uh, I'm excited that Marvel is like hiring you know young female writers, which is rare uh, in comics because you know it's such a male dominated industry. Like I'm excited to have like books that are more female led, like Black Widow and She Hulk and etc. Uh, you know, of course, you know, your Wonder Woman, Batwomans and stuff. But um, to actually have a female writer behind that, I feel like gives it so much more strength. Um, it's, I mean, it's fine to hear what a 40-year-old man thinks of what a woman sounds like. It's even better to have uh, a, a woman in her 30s like uh, Willa Wilson uh, being able to give voice to a, a, a potentially very strong character. Um, so, yeah, that might be something that I will check out. It, it, let me know how it is first before I do that. But uh, I'm, I, 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 I'm, call me uh, certainly intrigued by the whole thing. Uh, now, Harper, what about you? What are you most excited about next week? Uh, on the comic side, um, speaking of images, we were, or as we have been for a while, um, Lazarus is always one of my favorite books to read. So um, that's always yeah. really exciting. Um, on the movie side of things, I've never had a harder time deciding which uh, which movie to go see at midnight Thursday night. Um, got Monuments Men and the Lego Movie, uh, so both of which I'm are very very high on my list. So that'd be a, a tough call, but I'm ex- really excited to go see both of them. 
So I might be able to uh, be able to help you with that after Wednesday because Hannah and I are going to see Monuments Men uh, <laughs> uh, in advance, and I may tell you that Monuments Men may not be worth seeing at midnight. Uh, hopefully, hopefully I'll like it though, and I'll be able to make your decision tougher. But uh, I'm nervous that I'm going to be like uh, Harper. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I guess next week for me, the biggest thing I'm most excited for is Loki, Agent of Asgard, written by Al Ewing. Uh, and it's kind of cool because I get a double uh, dose of Al Ewing because my favorite Avengers book is coming out, too, Mighty Avengers, which is tremendous. Um, Wait, that's replaced New Avengers? No, 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 no. But Mighty Avengers is coming out as well, so they're coming out. Okay. Yeah, no, no, they're both coming out, but... but Mighty oh, wait, Avengers. New Avengers comes out this week, too? Yeah, I think they both come out. Oh my sure. gosh! Yeah, it's a lot of books coming out this week. But I had a pretty big pull last week. I don't know what y'all were talking about having small pulls. Yeah, I did too. Uh, well, I don't know. I just uh, uh, I, I, my pull wasn't very big either. I was there with Cal, honestly. But Mighty Avengers, I love that book. It's 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 the Avengers book with the character with character that I wish that uh, the current Avengers title was. Though I like sometimes Avengers. It's getting better. Uh, Mighty Avengers is just so fun and I think Al Ewing is a really unique voice in comics uh, and I think his take on Loki should be fascinating I particularly like the idea that it's a gender bending Loki I think that could really be cool um, so yes, Loki Agent of Asgard is very high on my list of books that I was most excited about from Marvel now and yeah, I'm excited about uh, the next issue of Secret as well, which is, uh, you know, that book's finally back on track. <laughs> you know, it's finally coming out after like two years of not coming out. So uh, get a little bit more of, uh, of Hickman's doing, doing some cool independent stuff. And yeah, I'll go see Lego Movie this weekend. Hooray. <laughs> um, okay, so that we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up here. But uh, guys, thank you so much. We will uh, be bringing you our Oscar episode hopefully next weekend. We'll see, um, provided we can make that scheduling happen. And then after that, we've got a really interesting Batman-related episode after that. So, hey, guys, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, and we will uh, talk to you soon. Bye.